The Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Hunted, the home of recruitment. If you're a recruiter that's currently weighing up your options at the moment and you have no idea what your future looks like, you need to get yourself a profile on Hunted. It's the best place to view opportunities that are exclusive to recruiters like you. You can apply to jobs anonymously and even talk directly with hiring managers. You can filter brands based on what's important to you, and they've even recently included an actively hiring now badge to make it very easy and simple for you to see and find what businesses, what agencies are hiring today. There are hundreds, I'm talking hundreds, of companies on Hunted who each have all of their career information in one place and it's so easy to see, uh, use and find out what these companies offer. So rather than going between Google, various company websites, social media accounts and countless LinkedIn profiles, you need to get yourself to hunted.com for the best jobs in recruitment. It's as simple as that. If you're an employer and you're hiring, you want to get in front of some of the best talent in the industry and you listen to this podcast, if you're listening to this ad, then that is you, then I've got a special discount code for you. You can get a huge 25% discount of Hunted's annual subscription by using Rollercoaster25. That is Rollercoaster25. Get yourself to hunter.com forward slash employer. Inquire about making a profile. You need to get on there. And when you do, make sure you use the referral code. And if you're a recruiter, make sure you set yourself up a profile because it is a no-brainer. Get yourself on hunter.com. Enjoy the episode. So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name's Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name's Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm uh, very excited to be joined by Chris O'Connell who has worked in recruitment for 22 years, started his journey at the infamous S3, then went on to start his own recruitment business, which he actually exited in 2013. And then since then, Chris has been an NED and leadership coach across multiple recruitment businesses, and more recently has been very focused on purpose-led leadership coaching and most of all, giving back to the industry that no doubt has given a lot to Chris and his life. Chris, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Hisham. Absolutely delighted to be on your podcast. I've watched many of them and uh, yeah, you're doing a great thing. So no, thanks very much. No, very thank impressed. you. Appreciate that. Well, as I was just saying before we started this, we're definitely going to talk about Chris O'Connell, the recruitment entrepreneur, exiting a business, why you rose to the top at S3. We'll, <laughs> we'll touch on those things, but I think what... Yeah what I know you're keen on and what I'm definitely keen on sort of really focusing and honing on in on today is Chris O'Connell's mental journey, right? What sort of the mental um, journey that you've been on throughout this career yeah. and the self-discovery that you've been on. And I know that's something you're, you're keen to openly talk about and uh, really keen to dig into. So where I always like to start is how you entered the world of recruitment. So how did you end up at S3? Let's start there. Well, thanks. I'll keep it brief. Um, I've done this story quite a few times now. I'm trying to, trying to condense it down. Um, so it was in 1998. I kind of um, kind of fell into it like most people did um, and yeah, walked into the S3 office in Maidenhead uh, in Thames Valley 
uh, as a very shy t- uh, 21 year old or something like that it was um, and anyone who knows S3 you know even back then it was very very kind of hardcore sales um, you what know what did you do before very dynamic I kind of um, I went to college university I had like lots of different odd jobs I worked in a sort of hardware shop worked in a petrol station um, I did I did work for a call center actually scheduling engineers around the country which was interesting okay. But this was my first kind of major uh, and proper job. Uh, I actually went to university whilst I was at S3 as well, part-time. But um, yeah, and I was o- overwhelmed and really, really impressed with the kind of the, the, the dynamic of the Thames Valley office. You know, um, everyone standing up, pinstripe suits, shiny shoes, fast cars, like a boiler room kind of uh, mad environment, really. Um, but I took to like a duck to water. And in the, in the first year, as a resource, I was top of the charts and uh, did, did very well. Um, then Why? They, why um i think i think it was i'll tell you the real reason why i think i think when i was young my my uh my mum abandoned me when i was two and that gave me the ask me a question i'll give you the answer that that, that that gave me the drive to i really want to make something for myself and be ta- and do something tangible and even though i was extremely shy and that episode really 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 did affect me um my mental health and, and everything else which i would happily talk about Um, I think I just wanted to present to her and, and to myself that um, I could do something. Um, and not not for one moment did I think it would be recruitment. But I did always want to run my own business. Um, and I, I just I just walked in there. I just felt this energy and this vibe. And I just thought, it's hard to explain. I just thought, I can do this. Even though, you know, everyone else was probably so much more advanced, more experienced than me. It just felt right. So I can't really put any more, more context in, 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 other than that, really. But a big part was you had a chip on your shoulder. You had a point to prove. Pretty much, yeah, and that—that's why. Um, actually, I actually think that why was wrong. Then, at the time, I thought it was right because um, I was doing it. I wasn't necessarily doing it for the right reasons. Um, and to continue that, then I went to Bristol, uh, became the UK top biller, uh, and then the worldwide top biller. Um, was billing six hundred, seven hundred grand a year, year on year, um, placing contractors into into various different companies. And went way up, senior consultant, team leader, manager, uh, started to manage offices across the UK, became the worldwide top biller. And in that five-year cycle, probably made them about 14 or 15 million quid. Loved it. If you cut me in half, I'd bleed S3. Absolutely thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. But then I uh, woke up one day and thought, what, what am I doing? So I set up a business in 2003. Um, and in just, just quickly, sorry, for context. Yeah. How long was your S3 for? Five years. Five years. Okay, so then you choose that in five years. So, yeah. so just quickly, a lot of recruiters listen to this. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about the, the things that we're talking about. But just, just quickly, like S3, fiercely competitive. Yeah. Every person I've had on the show talk, spoken about the culture where the standards are just really high and, and everyone's sort of rising to those standards and looking to be the best version of themselves, et cetera. But like, just, uh, we've spoken a bit about your why and that you, had, you really had a point to prove, which is a big part the fuel behind Chris O'Connell, like just yeah. smashing it. Yeah. But anything else you think you contribute to, I think people will be wondering like, why, why was, why was Chris able to do that? Like why over all the people that you competed against, why was you able to sort of build f- six, 700 K consistently for think, however long uh, you did? I think it's something that I, um, I thought I've learned recently, but actually, um, I probably had it ingrained in me because of what happened to me. So I didn't put anybody, uh, I didn't deem or approach anybody as superior uh, or didn't uh, approach anybody inferior. So everything that I did, I treated them as as, 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 a, as a level playing field to myself. So when I approached a, a client um, or a manager or a director, obviously if they were my boss, it was slightly different, but I just kind of, and that, and that kind of really helped me. So for some reason i didn't really have any fear around around approaching any any person and also that that was indicative of my approach so business development picking up the phone it wasn't the kind of this this obvious kind of sales pitch it was kind of more of a natural conversation um and it was quite funny actually um you know the amount of clients i opened up and my phone manner uh, is is i must sound different i must sound a lot older than what i do face to face and i go and see a client and i say no i want to see chris and then it is me I looked about 12 on the phone, I thought I was about 38 because I just, I just, I just came across with with this sort of level of confidence. Um, and I guess it was easier over the phone actually because over the phone, you know, you, they can't see you, and you, you can actually 
change your tone of voice and everything else. And what transpired was because I was so shy and, you know, I struggled with uh, public speaking. I, sh- I struggled with client meetings, but I think I did well because, um, because of what happened to me, you know, that, that kind of event that happens to you when you're, you know, a serious trauma can either make you or, or break you. Um, but it kind of, in my head, it was like, what, what else can go wrong? There's not, not much worse than can happen to that. So I thought, sort this, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to, Prove, 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 prove yourself to someone and um yeah that's what i did so yeah, yeah. that's really interesting because i went i it's interesting that because obviously i'm sure now um working with recruiters and like there is that at the beginning there is just that where i don't know where it comes from but like you put people on the pedestal right and it's like oh i'm just calling this client now that's it. like da, da, da. <laughs> so that's really interesting that you really contribute just the lack of fear just because of what you went yeah. through. You, you put no one, you thought no one was better than you, no one was in fear of you. That, that's really interesting. I think that's right. And I think that's, that's what I kind of used as one of my training methods when I, or when I, when I coached and developed people back in the day, because I actually th- still believe now that a lot of consultants, they put clients on the pedestal too much and that, you know, they can happily talk Turkey with candidates, but actually they're the same. We're all human beings, and that—that's indicative of where we are now. I think in 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 the current climate around what leaders need to do around um, treating everybody the same. Um, perhaps we can talk about that later. In, in yeah. The, in the okay. So then left, set up your own recruitment business. In what yeah. year did you say? Sorry. Two thousand and three. So I set that up uh, with, with no money, really. Um, me and my business partner. Um, and no money. What do you spend all your money on, mate? <laughs> Well, you know, back in the day, you, you earn and you spend, didn't you? Um, <laughs> I won't tell you, I won't tell you everything, but uh, yeah, just nice cars and and uh, nice clothes. <laughs> okay, so yeah. so yeah, so we started what with a business partner, did you say? Yeah, um, and with uh, yeah, in ten years, we won fourteen industry awards, so three best company awards in a row, which is very hard to get. Three Virgin Fast Track One Hundred awards, um, and the. The, I think the reason why we did well, we had a good model, um, but also um, we we're quite. It wasn't a one-size-fits-all training approach, so we, we were very keen and to understand each person's motivations, because um, <clears throat> you know some people responded to different different things, um, and uh, yeah, we had seventy-five um, percent contract, twenty-five percent perm. And in ten years, we got it to eighty staff, three offices, twenty-five million pound turnover, and uh, we kind of knocked the doors off. It was a really, really exciting business. And we were really on the up. I was kind of Southwest Entrepreneur of the Year. Um, and it was, you know, a very, very, a very, very proud moment. But I, th- I think um, during that time, um, every single milestone that we hit, or I hit, you know, we hit, it was, um, when I got there, well, it didn't actually feel as good as what I thought it would. Um, and uh, I'm not sure, I didn't know at the time why that was. And I think that was to do, to do with my purpose. I think I, I was, I, I thought success back then and fulfillment and, and 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 happiness was actually hitting a number, hitting a milestone, getting a bigger house, getting a bigger car, getting a bigger watch. And whilst that, that whilst that was nice, don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we went to the Monaco Grand Prix. We you know we did, we did loads of stuff as you as you as you would expect. You know, and, and I was I was quite exposed and quite. Let, let's just talk about this for a second because I think a lot of people can relate to this, and I think this is like this is sort of the learnings that people go through, right? And I think it's interesting. <laughs> I know it's just a bit of a flippant comment on what did you spend all your money on, but I think th- this is linked, right? How many people sit down with Chris O'Connell, 24-year-old, going, hey, Chris, this mm. is what I did when I got all this money. This is what I learned. Maybe this, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money, but this mm. this is uh, what I learned, what I went through. Um, spending, getting that, it's great, but it doesn't last, right? So yeah. just talk a bit about how how you felt, because I think... Like, I think that's just really common, right? You hit these milestones, you get these awards, you're, you're on the face of it, you're going to, wow, yeah. Chris is doing well, and I'm sure you always got that, right? Chris, wow, like, da, da, da. But, yeah. you know, deep down, you wasn't as happy as you thought you'd be, right? So what, what did that actually feel like? Well, I think, firstly, in order to get to that level of success, I mean, I mean there are people out there that have done much better than that, but it's a pretty good, pretty good story, pretty good success story. I think... Um, you have to put, well, I had to put my, literally my heart and soul into that. So I kind of lost relationships. I lost um, family. I lost health. Um, but I still had this insane desire to like, literally, no matter what I achieved, I want more and more. It kind of felt, it kind of felt there was, there was no, it was a limitless, boundless kind of 
no fear and I, I almost became the victim of my own success my own ego and, that's, and I'll, I'll talk about what happened I, I think I almost became I felt I was untouchable in a way and whilst whilst having that drive that 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 passion to push forward is 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 intrinsically important to get to that level you can do sort of reality so I it felt it felt good but it almost it didn't I, I, I look back actually and I, I, I question whether how how, how much genuine connection I had with my, with my people um, in terms of that bond and that relationship. Um, it, it felt good. Uh, it, it felt brilliant. It felt, you know, I could buy anything I wanted. Um, but I, I didn't really have a, a decent personal life because of it. And it kind of sacrificed a lot of, a lot of that. And when the business isn't there, what are you left with? You know, and that's one of the things that, that I've learned. Um, and when so I did... When, that's really interesting. Mm. When, so when you say you lost relationships, what, what we're talking here? Did you have a wife? Did you have, I don't know, what 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 sort of came as a sacrifice out of it? Because I think that's also part of it, right? Yeah. Where a lot of people, again, like don't don't talk much about that or don't put hand in hand with right. If you're going to put those blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice, yeah. that potentially, yeah. yeah, your relationships are going to suffer. So what what did yeah. you lose and what was that like? Well, if I knew then what I knew now, I I would do it differently. I I would I would um, delegate more and I would spend more time with my family and still have that balance. But um, I lost um, quite a number of girlfriends. Um, I I lost contact with my son, um, who now I haven't spoken to for three years, um, and I became very uh, stressed uh, and to a point where I was having panic attacks. So I couldn't actually stand up in front of my own company and do presentations because I was, even though it was a brilliant business, um, I, uh, I just kind of, I, I'd quite often go in, into, my, into my car of an afternoon and sleep for 20 minutes because I was so tired and drained by it all. So all that all the glistens isn't gold. So that, that's, that's, that's the misconception people have of leaders, you know. Um, you know, although I was a self, completely self-made millionaire, I'm small in a caravan and then on a council estate, you know, nothing was given to me, completely self-made. Um, and people don't realize what it takes to get there. But when you get there, it isn't actually as good as what you think it is, unless you find that balance. So um, I think I lost my uh, my way, really, because um, I became quite arrogant, quite egotistical. I'm not saying everyone does this. Um, but you can't, you can't, I put my suit on and became this kind of person that wasn't me. So you have to be this kind of resilient, stoic, inspirational, motivational, ruthless kind of person. And, oh my God! I mean, some of the stuff I did in work was 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 phenomenally ruthless. I should say. I come home and kind of like could be completely different. So um, now I, I'm encouraging leaders to be themselves and and still have the have still uh, get that good performance. And I think back in the day that my that old approach did kind of work. Now it's all about compassion, empathy, understanding, being a human, being on a level playing field. So I've completely changed my my mindset on that. But yeah. So, so just on this, <clears throat> did people know? Like, did people know that Chris was feeling like this? No, not at all. Why? At all. Because I would at that t- at that moment in my career, there was no there was no way on earth I'd I'd, I'd allow anyone to think that there was any weakness. God, heaven forbid. You know what I mean, um, I've changed that now, but it was it was just kind of like. I wouldn't say it was management by fear. I think it because it, it, it wasn't. It was it was more kind of like you know I would I wouldn't take any prisoners. And but if they if they did know the real me, actually, I probably would have got even better results out of them. But no, I I, I was very um, focused on just driving driving performance. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I was quite good one on one on one, and I was very good at sort of reviews and bringing out the best of people, understanding the soft side of their skills. But I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily ever let my guard down um so i think if people knew really some of the mental health issues i've had and um the problems i've had they might see me differently so on that point actually i think um people misunderstood me rightly so because um of the way i acted but in that position and when you've got mental health or when you're a leader when you have to when you have to kind of perform under under duress um for me, um, I found it difficult to engage with people. Sometimes I was quite shy in social situations, which is quite a paradox being a, a successful business leader. 
And that kind of led to people thinking, is he arrogant? Does he not like me? Am I not worthy to speak to him? And it's kind of like all these different things. And I think back now, why don't I just be my bloody self? Why didn't I just, you know, open up and be vulnerable? Um, because then that would create that back from the other person. Then we can have a, a real conversation. And and also then what impact this? What, did you have no, was there no one that you could be Chris around? besides yourself because as you said you had the sacrifice that's also the hard part yeah. right? there's no one else then that you could get more comfortable or used to letting your yeah. guard down that's interesting totally, so mate. Mm. what what i was going to say um so i'm just trying to sort of so when did this start to change then so obviously you then exited your business in 2013 yeah what did that feel like well i mean a private equity partner came in and there was a two-year kind of phase uh, where I became a CEO and then I eventually exited so that was a difficult challenging period because it was a different animal really um, it was more geared around arriving at a number and we kind of the soul and the culture of the business wasn't as important it was to me but it wasn't necessarily to them um, so uh, I eventually exited that in 2014 and I, t I took four years out three and a half four years out honestly it was it was a huge contrast from I say this all the time, but, you know, from being a very successful CEO of my own world of recruitment to then kind of, you know, watching supermarkets sweep or judge duty every day is a big, you know, it's a big, it's a big, big thing, man. Uh, and that really, really kind of, my mental health dipped, you know. So what did you have a plan? What was like the, so what was the, because I think a lot of people think about this, yeah. right? I think, yeah. I mean, you don't hear it before, more in your time, you'd hear, yeah, I'm going to start my own recruitment business, I'm going to sell it. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's as common now. It's definitely achievable from the conversations I had with people. But like what like just talk to us about what sort of Chris's vision was for this deal. Like, was it the right I'm gonna sell this business and I'm gonna sit on the beach, like I've gonna <coughs> like I'm I'm gonna be happy where do you know what I mean? What was the what yeah. was you hoping it would be? And then we can talk about the actual reality. Sure. So I mean, I think it was around 2010. Um, my kind of business partner decided that you know he he wanted to exit the business, which is fine. I think he just had his third child. We just opened up Manchester, so we had three offices, and it was kind of like at his point in his life he wanted to to exit that, which was which was great, but it was a bit of a surprise to me. So then we had to find uh, a vehicle or partner to buy him out, which we eventually did. I chose a particular private equity vehicle that I felt would um accelerate the business even faster over a three to five year cycle and get it to a, a certain number that would enable me to literally not have to work again so the plan was when i engaged with that private equity partner was to was to do that um not have didn't to work again i'll kind of not i'll, I'll never say that that's a bit but you know but I, a lot of people think say that though 100 yeah. mate, a lot of people think that well, yeah, i'm yeah. going to do this so then i don't have to think about like or have to like you're not yeah. alone in that so many people will have that visualization <laughs> or thought so yeah but or at least certainly put me in a position where i did if i wanted to i didn't have to you'd be financially uh, free you wouldn't have yeah. to you would no longer you'd not stress at all about money you'd be able to provide for the people you <laughs> want to all yeah. those things yeah, absolutely so but it didn't quite work out like that for various reasons so uh, i i exited the business two years two years later and um kind of the financial aspect wasn't uh where it should have been so it kind of that that there wasn't really a plan based on that because a um i was completely drained and affected by uh losing my effectively being out of the industry and losing my business and losing because before this happens you know my, my vision was plan was to go, literally go global and you know god knows where that business would be now if that didn't happen so that was kind of taken away from me which was which was a huge a huge a huge hit to me mentally um and i kind of i kind of lost my way really um and I can talk to you about that 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 journey, and, and then I've moved away from that now, and I've completely changed my mindset around what's important to me. So, let's talk about that. so for context, you exited the business, but you didn't quite hit the numbers that required for you to get what as much as a payout that the you initially hoped for. But you exited it, yeah. and then yeah, so yeah talk to us then. What, yeah, what went on? well, I, I I think that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the business it was built on um, our culture and our soul and our camaraderie. And, you know, the two founders built it up. Um, and when one of the founders goes and, and, and a completely new partner comes in with a completely different agenda, um, there were some fractions. And therefore, kind of the business kind of disbanded a little bit. 
Um, so the whole objective of where the business was going had, had completely changed. Um, and it just reached a point where it was best that, um, you know, it was, it was, it went in a different direction. So, um, I had to take some time out anyway, because, uh, I was, I was completely burnt out and, uh, um, that's what I did. So I was left with, uh, wondering what the hell I was going to do next really. Um, and it took, it took me three years to kind of get out of that malaise, um, of, of, kind of my hopes and dreams of what I thought would be success kind of take, taken away from me. Um, but I'm much more happier now. I'm now as a millionaire at 25, 26, you know, you know, buying 40 grand watches for fun, kind of situate, whatever, you know, so now, you know, I've got nowhere near as much money now. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm rich in, in purpose fulfillment. My, 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 my purpose now is to, is to give something back to the industry to, to help them with, or, or, or at least, at least, at least, share my story around um, some of my mistakes and some of my pitfalls, and also some of the, you know, what 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 is success? Success necessarily isn't necessarily a, a number or an object. To me, success is actually um, being happy in yourself, but also providing a service to others, and that, that's that, that's what I'm trying to do uh, at, at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Let, I'm really excited to get into that. I think what I just want to, what I'd love you to just talk a bit about, because I think a lot of people might be able to relate to this, Chris. And if you think mm. totally different circumstances, but how many people's purpose has been taken away over the last three or so, so months, right? How many people before they went on furlough made the time to work out who they are, what their drivers are, why they do what they do? Like how many people just got just got up and did what they did, right? How yeah, many yeah. people made the time to sort of self discover and and those things, yeah. right? So then, for no fault of your own, because of what's gone on, I'm then taking away your job and taking away your routine. Da da da. So I think I think there'll be a lot of people that can relate, Chris, on like yeah. that journey that you went on, right? Because like you didn't you wasn't straight away found out that that's what I wanted to do. This is my purpose. So mm. it'd be great to just, if you could just talk a bit about the sort of hardship that you had to go through or some of the dark times that you had to experience or from those dark times, you start to see the light and work these things out. But what, where, where was you before, like what was going on and what did Chris's life look like for before you got, before you got to the point where you are now? Well, I, th- I think um, I, I had, it got to the point where I had some, some addiction issues as well, because I didn't know what to do with my life. So I had more time than I ever, ever had before. And when you're used to kind of just, just everything being successful and having the right money and hitting all the targets, you're left with nothing. It kind of like does play with your mind. So I, I was, I was depressed. I had some addiction issues, wasn't motivated. Um, was very, lethargic, very lethargic. Lots of things, mate. <laughs> you know, drugs. no, no gambling. Um, uh, you know, shopping, buying stuff, just because co- obviously doing what I'm doing, um, you know, hitting every target, it, it, that becoming became addictive. So I, I believe I could do and, and hit anything and to get that kind of dopamine hit around, yeah. you know, it, it was, it was, it was going out and buying, buying stuff I didn't really need or, or going to really expensive restaurants just for the sake of it or holidays or just to get that kind of that fulfillment. But what I wasn't doing was, was engaging with my friends or doing any personal development and it kind of spiraled down and I just, I just kind of let, let myself go really. Um, and, um, it was only, only, only up until last year, actually about 12 months ago, um, I was divorced, you know, a year and a half ago, left the family home. And that was really the catalyst. Not that, you know, I'm not, not, I'm not, that I'm saying that this year was the best year because, because everything else was but worse. This year has been good to me because I told my own to reflect, to look at myself and go, actually, well, actually, well done, mate. You know, don't don't, be, don't keep beating myself up too much. That um, uh, you know, I'd never give myself any praise. What I achieved has been has been amazing. So instead of looking at all the negative, because a lot of the reasons why the business went well was down to me, and a lot of the reasons why the business didn't go well was down to me as well. And I'll, I'll happily admit that. But I think the, I think the turning point was having that time on my own, taking that time out, and thinking, hang on a second, I, I'm all right. I can do something here. But what? why why what, what can i do and here i here after four years out in the wilderness here i am talking about mental health about purpose about vulnerability about courage completely different animal to what i was like before and i think what i'm trying to say is probably not very well is um 
losing my losing my mum, being abused as a child, which I haven't talked about, becoming an addict, losing my business, losing my son, like five. Uh, there's loads of other stuff. There's five things there that would 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 destroy most people. Um, but actually, I see those as a gift uh, in a way because it has really helped me understand me as a person. But also, I'm using those experiences to a positive way, and actually. Um, I now know I'm a very resilient person and sometimes adversity can actually help you, uh, help you to help others. So I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to experience those again, but I, I kind of now, I see it as a strength really. I'm almost pleased it's happened to me. What, what do you think made you change the way you look at those things? Cause look, this, this came up with a chap that, we sort of really sort of dug into his darkest days and the journey that he's been into um, a guy yeah. called um, she- uh, Chevy Ruff. And um, like he didn't, so what, what he recognized, which he sort of openly spoke about was again, he sort of got to a place where he was aiming for, got there, felt empty. It was when he took his first antidepressant pill mm. and sort of the journey he went on was recognizing that he didn't actually he was always on the move, always wanted to do something, which meant that he didn't have the time or freedom to think about his demons, which was his childhood yeah. and these types of things. So yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say was, is like, clearly you didn't always look at those things that you just described in, in the way that you do now, right? So I guess what, what do you think helped you have that perspective or change your percep- perception of, well, actually these are a gift. They're not things mm. that, do, do you know what I mean? Because I think that's yeah. the, the part that people find most difficult, right? is that my past defines me and these things I, these things happen to me because I wasn't good enough or what, whatever, right? And clearly you've been on that own journey of recognising that, well, actually, no, the, this is how they've helped me and this is it they make me are in yeah. a positive way. I don't know, yeah, anything yeah. around that? Yeah, I think so, mate. I think, um, I think it's the loss, you know, the, the, the quantum and, and the, the amount and the, of, of the loss. And so I'm not saying that you have to go out and lose your family and your business yeah, to, actually, to get to get purpose but i think i think i think sometimes when you are at rock bottom um you know it's the only way to snap you out of it and actually i think if if those things didn't happen to me i might be dead somewhere or whatever you know and that's that sounds a bit dramatic but um yeah i think i think uh but also having that time i think i think you know where leaders fall down is that they don't give themselves that personal time they don't speak to enough people around them don't have mentors you know i've i've hired four coaches this last three or four weeks on various aspects of where I see I can improve. And that's the other thing I think leaders, well, I certainly got into a position where, you know, I thought I didn't need any coaching or development. And I think who coaches the coach, who leads the leader, who, you know, you've got to have people around you. You've got to talk to people. Um, but it's a very lonely place as a, as, as a leader um, sometimes. And if you've got no one to talk to, or if you feel you've got no one to talk to, how the hell are you going to change that? And actually what you need is you don't need friends to go, well done, mate. Because I had lots of people around me going, "Oh, look at you! You're brilliant!" All that kind of stuff. But I didn't have anyone saying, "Mate, actually, you're a bit of a dick." Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was at the time, you know? um, and uh, you know that's that's what you need. And I think, uh, no matter how successful you are, there's always someone that's earned more money or done something big and done something better. Um, and I just wish back then I had that more human element to me, which I, which I've got now. Um, but you can't change the past. So what, as you, as you started to, when you ended up spending time on your own, time to process yeah. and sort of get to the place you are now, what, I guess, what really helped you during that period then? What, what became sort of non-negotiable for you? Did you start to form some good habits? Did you start building new relationships with people that really helped? Like, I don't know, what, what do you think was, was really impactful in sort of really helping um, shape where you are today as you sort of climbed out of that darkness? It's not easy when you've got kids, wives, dogs, you know, all sorts of things. But I think, I think um, what the catalyst was to actually say, look, I need to put myself first, not in a selfish way, but in a selfless way, right, whereby I need to have this time to, to, to look at myself, do therapy, whatever it is, you know, uh, understand, you know, spend some time and work out what I want to do uh, and, and love myself, actually. Uh, and once, once I achieve that, Honestly, this last 12 months, some of the stuff that's happened to me has been absolutely phenomenal. So just, just things like looking in the mirror pretty much every morning <laughs> um, and looking at myself and saying, actually, mate, you're all right, that kind of stuff. Talking, <laughs> talking to myself is a bit weird, but actually it works. Um, and just and just kind of saying, actually, what, you know, looking at the facets. So instead of spending 98.99% of my time focused on work, balancing that out, work, personal life, 
exercise, diet, nutrition, looking at seven or eight different kind of elements of my life and rating them out of 10. Like works, 10. Personal relationships, one. Um, exercise, two. What? Ah, this might be why I'm not, I'm not finding that balance. And then actually switching the dial and then saying, look, right, this next two hours, I'm going to listen to a podcast and put it in the diary. I'm, I'm going to commit to doing exercise and all this kind of stuff. And then actually writing down the list of my friend. I haven't spoken to them. I've not, you know, no wonder, instead of me getting pissed off with them for not, when was the last time I did something to them? When was the last time I, I reached out to them? And looking at every, almost everything else apart from work. Because I, I, I believe that a lot of performance-related issues in work is, is only is related to stuff outside of work. So you can have the best brand, the best training, the best KPIs, all that shit. Um, but if, if the mindset purpose isn't right outside of work, that person isn't going to perform. So it's all that kind of stuff, basically, looking at everything else. And, it, and that sounds quite selfish, but it's not. And w- w- once I'd done all that, honestly, I found I had more time. I was more engaging. I was more affectionate. Uh, I was more compassionate and actually 10 times more productive. Yeah, you worked on yourself, whereas yeah. you didn't have time for that before. You just knew what you had to do to keep yeah. leveling up your game, to hit the numbers or whatever. That, that, I'm, that makes complete sense. A quote that sort of has always stuck with me, which I think is so powerful on mm. the part around loving yourself, I think that's so important to highlight that, is no one, uh, the quote is, no one can love you more than you love yourself. And that really stuck with me, right? Yeah. Because um, I've, I've experienced that in relationships and like I've just always thought that like for me thinking of relationships and how that relates is like for me there's nothing more attractive in in a female if you know deep down how much they love themselves absolutely rather than seeing the sort of what they're trying yeah. to be or what they what they only see their downfalls yeah. or whatever so okay. mate that, that I completely get that that makes complete sense you actually made the time during that period to recognize what well, right no Chris I am good enough and, and that's, that's yeah. so common that people don't make the time to do that. I think so, mate. I think on that point about the, the relationship. So, you know, I, I attracted the wrong sort of woman in, in, in my life because I was probably too, uh, you could see me a mile off. Although I was very successful, um, I probably had kind of, you know, a twat written on my forehead in terms of like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I, I, was, I was so obviously vulnerable and so obviously kind of putting on this mask and this act to, to an extent where, you know, the people that I attracted, yeah, attracted were, were the wrong type, and now it's now it's a different ball game. So on that on that point, you're right. It's not just you know you're not you're not even capable of attracting the right people or, or things in your life if you're not in the right mindset. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So let let's talk a bit about the things that you've been in the sort of last twelve months. Mm. What you've been seeing, talking about why you think now actually why actually leadership. Yeah. yeah. Your power is being vulnerable. Your power is being human so I guess what are the sort of the on that front sort of the lens that you have what are the common things you see in leaders that you think well actually I don't know what are the things that you think that leadership is missing out on or I don't know what 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 have been the common things that you've been saying yeah I I think I think going are the days where leaders or companies uh, are going to be motivating people or pushing people on a number a target and a profit number obviously that's important but I think I think so. I've, I've walked into as an NED. I've walked into many businesses, and they've got their five purposes or their five you know values or values, whatever it is: integrity, purpose, all this kind of stuff. And, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, mate, you can't even spell the word integrity. A lot of it is is is, is taken from others. It's, it's not actually real. Um, so I, I I think that there's a huge shift around because of what's happened with lockdown and COVID. Half the workforce aren't ready to literally come back to work mentally. And I'm hopeful that a lot of leaders will, will understand that and have more compassion and empathy towards that because they've been in that situation themselves. But what I do think will happen is that I think, I think there'll be less of a hierarchical kind of structure to a company where it's leader at the top dictating. Um, I think there needs to be, a, and there will be, more of a, uh, a shift towards a community-led um, way of running a business. Don't get me wrong, there needs to be leaders, but I think I think in order for the companies to get the best out of their people they're going they are going to have to be a bit more human they are going to have to understand their compassions their mindset their their, their mental health their, their their purpose and their why to get the best out of them because even even on a macro level when you when you train someone right if, if you just bring people into a room and do a role play you know half the room will hate it and half won't or, or presentation it's, it's about understanding what 
what what what receptors each each person has and that isn't just you know a one an archetype one size fits all this is our company this is what we're going to do people respond to things in different ways so i think leaders will get the best engagement out of being a bit vulnerable being a bit open with their feelings not too much but just having that human side so you know um i had an example i spoke to a colleague last week actually and i i, I quit it was bugging me i quizzed her uh i brought her in actually in the pub and said uh what was all that about three months ago in terms of um you know your 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 performance your lack of motivation and i did it in a way look i'm doing this from a point of view where i'm trying to help you my job is to guide you and, and, and drive you forward where have i where have i gone wrong as a leader kind of thing and i was blown away she said look you know i thrive and i flourish and i'm uh, i'm really impressed with you. I, I love your leadership it's absolutely brilliant the reason why it was going well is because i felt i was on a level playing field with you in terms of communication i could talk to you you as accessible I, w- I wasn't in fear of you but towards the end of that kind of project um it became like i was scared to pick up the phone to you and you it was it was a little bit like management my fear so but effectively she was scared of me and i was like i was like wow yeah so instead of me thinking it was her it's actually it was actually my style that was causing her you know, and I, you know, nine times out of ten, you take it with a pinch of salt and think, yeah, whatever. But actually, I think about she was right. So it's that kind of thing where you're being in tune and being being able to put put yourself on that. As I said earlier, put yourself on that same position to then get the real, the real, the real deal. And that, that's 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 the art. That's the, the thing I'm looking to to kind of push forward. Really. Why, why do you think? Why do you think? Why do you think that can help you become a better leader? Well, as I just said, because <clears throat> because people people. It's more of an all-round approach to actually get understanding your people intrinsically, because you can push and push and push and say make more calls or do more stuff and do more stuff, but pe- people don't want that anymore. Pe- people want to have a ha- have a connection and, and an understanding, and, and uh, it's about giving something back. It's, it's a different form of motivation as well. And so I, I think that um, there are a lot of leaders that are going to be in trouble uh, in terms of how to prom- It's a lot. Of, it's a lot about self-branding as well so as you know linkedin and you know a lot of companies are forced to tell their tell their sell their brand via a story and a lot of leaders don't have necessarily the capability to do that because all they know is about look at our company look at and it's actually no it's about engagement people are buying from people you know i've got some one or two man band businesses that that deal with huge accounts because it's a one-on-one uh, engagement so it they need to adopt that with their in, with their employees, but also their, some of their sales approach. So it'll make them a better leader because they'll get more business and they'll get more engagement. Um, yeah. So I guess what's coming up for me is sort of, if I'm a leader listening to this right now and I'm going, you know what, Chris, you're completely right. No, I, I, I do, under, I consciously, I do understand that that's going to help me get more out of my people. Yeah. But how do I start? Like if that, like, do you know what I mean? You as that person, right? You never was that person to sort of have those vulnerable conversations go, oh, actually, where can I improve? What did I do wrong previously, right? Yeah. So th- this is the thing, right? What, how can you start that shift in, because a lot of people may listen and know that that's, like, that's important, right? But yeah, yeah. they have no idea where to start because they've always done what they've done and da, da, da. So yeah. I guess, I don't know, what have you seen or what have you, what has sort of helped the people you've worked with or what you've seen? What's helped yeah. people start to make that shift? I think I think um, what I would do and what I have done is um, bring everyone in one on one and have that one to one, even if it's twenty minutes, half an hour. The power of that as a starting point. You now, rather than delegating it out, you know, bring bring your, your most junior person in, bring your everyone in one to one and have have that have that conversation with them. And pretty much like I just explained, say, look, you know, I'm, I'm bringing you in because you know COVID's been difficult for me. My family, well, you know, something like that where it's not kind of like it's more of a human conversation. Maybe not even talk about business. Just, just kind of have that conversation and build it out from there. I would do. And I think, but I think there's got to be an element where you've got to be willing to say, "How can I improve as a leader?" Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not everyone's willing to do that. Well, they're not. But in order, but that's like one of those. As I said earlier, you know, who 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 coaches the coach who leads the leader? You know, I mean, even the great coaches. Tony Robbins or whatever he's got he's got his own coach you know and it's it's about it's easy for for someone like me to say I, I continually focus on improvement and 
telling it to others but where i've where, where i've evolved is and this is where i am where i am now i'm aware that i need to be doing that for myself and i wouldn't ask someone to do not something to, i'm not prepared to do myself so i think it is that that first step is always the hardest you know people say they want to change they want to have purpose they, they have got integrity unless unless you actually make action you haven't so it, it is saying look mm. if i want to achieve that i am going to have to take off my leadership cap take off my my coat of armor and bring in Karen from from accounts and say, look, actually, what can I do to help? I feel that I feel that whatever. Yeah, no, I, I just think, yeah, I love that, and I just think it's obviously part of that challenge as well is like if I'm a leader in a business and there's no, I don't know, there's no other leaders for me to look up to or learn from, or yeah, I can right. see they're doing they're approaching like that. That could that that could you're completely right, and I think that's also part of the challenge, isn't it? Where if there's four leaders and you've got three, the old Chris. And you've got the fourth, which is like, right, I'm really prepared to become a better leader. Over the last three months, it's, I've recognized that I haven't been great at communicating to my team when they've been demotivated. I've found it hard. Clearly, I don't know, I need to upskill myself here. Like the coach, the coach. I think that's part of it, isn't it? Because like, who, who's helping these people become better leaders? Not everyone has that support or, I don't know. I think, I think that's part of it, isn't it? I think that's right. I think absolutely. And the only way to do that is, is actually, so again, over the last... So when I was running my business, I don't think I was really in contact with many of my peers and my colleagues around. It was all kind of this competition thing, wasn't it? Who's, and you wouldn't let, let, let your guard down. Now, I think that's completely changing where like, you know, there's a community of like you guys, there's lots, you know, you've got other people in your sphere and you all share ideas. And that's what I'm trying to get to. So I think. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I think I think. I think that if you're listening right now and go, you know what, I'm that person, ask for help, that there's plenty of people that will, that are probably going through what you're going through that would be willing to help, right? I think that's the thing that Sorry. you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help, even if that's to reach out to you or you've seen someone on LinkedIn that sort of looks like he's leading his team in the right way, drop them a message and say, hey, hey, Chris, look, love the way that, from what I can see, the love the way you're leading your team, your business through this period. I want to become a better leader how can we go about helping each other? What, where is so? I guess reach out. If, yeah, reach out for help. I think so. I think I think you know what I've learned on LinkedIn actually is that instead of always promoting or sending out a video or, of my own stuff, absolutely comment on other people's stuff. Say what well, I'm really impressed with that. That's the range of Zoom, whatever. And that that's that's where I think things are changing. Certainly with the people who are who are, who are changing or want to get something out of this. If you continue with this insular, no, this is our company. We can't bring any other kind of, you know, you, you are you are actually going to get swallowed up. And I think I think it has changed. And I think I think as well, um, you know, put a funny video out of yourself. Do, you know, do something a little bit different. Um, give something back to the sector. And actually, um, you know, I've going back to this superior inferior thing. You know, I've, I've recently had a conversations with the most qualified brain science neuroscientists because I'm about this mental health thing I'm doing and held court with them because I, I did manage to do that. But also having conversations with what, what you, you deem as much more junior people and, and learning that as well. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be people at your level as well. You know, That's true. put yourself out there and just, it's, it's about, if you see something good that benefits you, don't have the mindset or oh, better not comment on that because they'll get, they'll, they'll get the credibility. No, I'll go the other way. And if, if I don't matter who it is, if it's good, I will say, well done, mate bloody brilliant yeah you know, can i learn something from you so let's spoken a lot about your journey leadership Let, let's talk about yeah so obviously um someone that we both know someone that's been on this show and people know ronda d'ambrosio yeah on a sort of great mission started yeah. mental health and recruitment non-for-profit organization if you don't know sort of who she is and what she's doing definitely check yeah. that out obviously that's something that you're going to be part of yeah um Let's talk about this then before we finish. Like, yeah. obviously, you and I both know, and people listening should know that one of the biggest killers of young men is mental health, suicide, right? This is important. Recruitment industry is made up of a lot of men. And I think for me, it's like, and this is why we're doing this, Ryan, which is why I'm so grateful for you to be so open and talking about your journey, because I think it starts with communication. Things can really mm. change in your life when yeah. you talk. And, um, but like, how, how do you think we can get more men to be vulnerable, open up about their mental challenges, the things that you kindly shared with us on this podcast, that's not easy for people and right. they've never had to do that. And like, how do you think sort of we can start to move the needle? 
Well, you're right, mate. It's, it's a massive thing, isn't it? I think, you know, uh, I'm delighted to be an ambassador for uh, mental health and recruitment. Honestly, I think it's the best thing uh, since sliced bread. I think it's brilliant. I think it's going to be transformative. And I'm glad you're part of it as well, mate, because you've got a lot to offer. Um, I think in answer to your question, it's it's encouraging people like me um, to keep doing this. And I, I, I personally will continue to share. I, I did a podcast for that for, for Ronda yesterday, which is coming out, and it's 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 quite impactful actually i'll go really deep into some of the stuff that's happened to me and it's it's buddying up it's communicating with people like me and you and other men who are doing something and it's that and because that's what happens when you've got mental health yeah you 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 feel it's a burden to, to to speak about it um so i've got different whatsapp groups with just just men on it just my mates and other other people it's 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 you know instead of looking at facebook or, or whatever look at look at um mindfulness look at mindset look at mental health read up on it um and just just try and and um identify people that are in the same situation and ask questions ask questions of your friends as well and say look how are you doing how are you doing or or even say you know when you're asked a question how are you doing yeah i'm all right mate why don't you answer actually mate i've had a really bad day yesterday just want to let you know that i was feeling pretty anxious yesterday and it's what you'll find is the other person is probably feeling has had that same shit as well. And that sounds easy to say. Um, but I, I think that, um, showing vulnerability is, is an absolute is courage. It's not weakness. I know it used to be, but it's, it's it, honestly to stand up or talk or even doing this now, you know, is it's, I think it, it can bring so much fulfillment in, in other people as well. So I think, I think it's also, you know, be careful what you're absorbing as well. So I, I, you know, I listen to lots of podcasts um, around um, mental health and courage and leadership. So, if you re- if you really are, uh, if you really do have mental health, uh, or you are feeling anxious, or whatever that is, the only way to do it is is I, I think look at what you're absorbing. So, are you reading the Facebook news? Are you or are you actually looking and reading stuff that might help you? Look at the people around you as well. I think I think I put a video on LinkedIn last week around. You know, the people around you can have a dramatic effect on how you feel. So some of the friends that you associate with, are they encouraging you? Are they supporting you? Are they reaching out to you? If if the answer is no, honestly, why are you spending that? You know, do you always make the first move? And really do, I did an assessment almost of, 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 my, of, of my friends and my people around me and thought, hang on a second, you know, you're not, you've never been there for me. Or actually the guy that always, or the girl that always is, Every time that person's been there for me, I haven't been there. And it's like, actually, so it's, it, it's what you're absorbing, the people that surround you, being open and um, being compassionate to others as well. Because I, th- I, th- I think every single person alive today has some form of mental health mm. problem. Uh, and that's the other thing. I don't want it to, when it's in mental health issues, I don't, it's not an issue. It's, it's reality. You know, there's no, the stigma is going. In, in fact, Anyone who says they haven't got mental health issues, I think they actually have problems. Yeah. More problems than someone who has. Well, I, I think I think look, the perfect comparison analogy is we all have physical health. You look at someone that might be overweight or might tell you that they're ill all the time or whatever, and you go, "Oh, they've got some physical challenges or like actual yeah. physical um, issues." And it's just the same as your mind like it's just the exact for me that's just a perfect analogy and it's just it's just so much harder because we can't see it and it, that that's one of the challenges but no i love that i think that have making the time to audit what you're consuming couldn't agree with that more that's so important i think it's so easy it's so easy just to get used to what you consume and sort of the people you look at and like have a real audit of what like who you'll be surprised how many people have an influence on your day that you don't realize why am i following that person on instagram whenever i see their pictures they make me feel inferior and they make me feel not good enough and whatever what okay what also it's about stopping yourself in those moments and going why am i following this person Mm. why am i doing that and i think the friends part also i think that's one of the hardest things right is like this like if me and you are friend or have been friends for the last 15 years and I've been on this journey and through that I've gone actually I'm not sure how Chris is a good like how much of a good friend he is how much supportive he is blah 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 there's yeah. so many things to back up why we should stay friends even though yeah. deep down I might know you're not mm. like for where I am because that's one of the hardest things right the, the yeah, friends yeah. part so I'm, that that's something that 
I've been really grateful for is that the sort of friends that I have, we've been on this journey together where five years ago, all I cared about was what girls thought of me and all I cared about <laughs> was girls. But And then we've been through this journey together of this self-discovery of working on ourselves, yeah. of actually thinking about why are we on this planet? What are we doing? Having those conversations, being vulnerable. And if you, yeah. unfortunately, not everyone has that capability or being gone on that journey of friends the person you was friends with five years ago is sort of still the same person and cares about the same things that you're not that's it's difficult mm. to break off from stuff like that that's hard it is easy. hard it is hard but then you've only got one life and um you know as you get as as you get older you know people reveal themselves to you and you reveal them yourself to them as well so don't get me wrong this isn't a one-way street you know there, there are i've lost friends that you know they've kind of done that to me because i haven't done it to them so the, way, the, and the best way to look at it is that i if i treated my the rest of my life how i treated my businesses in terms of the focus the structure and the and the importance of it i'd be all right so what i'm trying to say is i almost now treat the rest of my life as a business in terms of kind of trying to maximize each of those elements. So the personal life, the friends, the personal development, the exercise and all that kind of stuff. And if I, I, I kind of check myself in and so say, actually, mate, when was the last time you exercised? When was the last time? All that kind of stuff. And what you'll find is you'll have a better balance. So yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I can be, why, why, why can I be so ruthless in business and, and very, very weak and not be able to set boundaries on personal life? And I, I think unless, unless you, those two meet, so it's almost like I need to be less ruthless and less hard and more compassionate in business and less compassion, less empathy in, in my person. It's one of those where, do you see what I mean? I think that's the way to look at it. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Okay, well, look, what um, what, what are you excited about then, Chris, before we finish? What sort of, obviously, getting involved with um, yeah. Rhonda, you've got a few, like, I don't know, what. how how do you view, I think it's amazing, Jen, you've been on the last 12 months. Yeah. Glad that you feel good about the last 12 months. How are you feeling about the next 12 months? Mate, I'm probably the most excited I've ever been, actually. Um, where I am now in terms of where I feel I am in terms of my purpose and my ability to actually do something tangible, I'm really excited about this mental health uh, initiative. It's probably the most exciting thing that's happened to me. I'm chuffed about my NED stuff, about giving back and coaching leaders. And I think I think there's a lot of transformative change around uh, people's mindsets. So I'm just excited to be... Uh, alive and uh, helping people and pushing people forward and I think the world's my oyster really and I don't if you ask me what I want to do you know uh, I, I, I'm an open book uh, I'm, I'm willing to collaborate with anyone um, but I'm, I'm, I'm although there's a lot of adversity and a lot of um, depression around or negativity around where we are there's also a lot of hope and a lot of um, a lot of positivity around um different ways of thinking so i I'm, I'm very excited about giving back uh showing showing what i know and helping others love that chris and look before before i sort of give you an opportunity to give sort of parting words like just want to say yeah big thanks for being super open and honest on, on this show i really appreciate Thank it you, mate. I, know, I know it's not easy right, and thanks um, for the opportunity as well what so yeah i guess parting words for anyone that listened to this that might be going through some challenges right now mentally or has sort of listened to this and has resonated with it and i don't know what would sort of your parting words be i guess if you was to communicate to recruiters recruitment business owners that are listening to this that are sort of identified with your story and, and your journey i think um look we're all human beings everything no matter what level we're at um we're all going through some shit and we've all got some more shit to go through. And the only way to actually get through that, I think, is to let's try and put ourselves on a bit more level playing field, try and reach out to as many people as possible and show up as well. So, you know, put yourself like I'm like I'm doing. This isn't easy for me. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, I, I could have done the archetypal, you know, look at my business achievements, all that kind of stuff. And I think just be a human being, you know, don't be afraid to, to speak to someone that you deem as superior because they're not. But also, don't be afraid to reach out to someone who, who who's in who's in trouble, you know. And and it sounds a bit cheesy, but I just think just try and put others first um, if you see them struggling. But also, if you're struggling as well, you know, like I said earlier, take a step back and say, look, do I have to take one step back to go five forward? Do I have to park everything? Do I have to remove some friends? Do I have to dedicate an hour and a half, no matter what? Say to your wife, no matter what, I want this hour and a half to do my have that window of opportunity where you can reflect and think and reassess and then everything else should fall into place. 
Amazing. Chris, thank you. It's been a pleasure. No worries, mate. Really enjoyed that. Good to see you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazoos and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.